Welcome to the Annie Gamers Podcast. This is episode number 144. I'm your host, Evan Minto, and today I have not one, but two guests to help uh, explain to me a phenomenon that I am struggling to, but enjoying attempting to understand uh, the the game experience of 2020, Blaseball. Uh, so my first guest is Elliot Trinidad, a former Crunchyroll host who I have hosted uh, a bunch of stuff with and, and worked with in various capacities, and uh, now a Blaseball historian and groundskeeper for the Blaseball community discord. We'll explain what all of that means in a bit. Welcome, Elliot. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Uh, and Cassandra Lugo, who is a game designer and also the host of uh, their own anime podcast. Uh, welcome to the show, Cassandra. Thank you for having me. So I have brought on two Blaseball people, Blaseball fans, Blaseball splurtsmen. We're like a fraction of a team. <laughs> uh, so we'll explain what that is and why there's an L in the middle of the word Blaseball uh, shortly. But uh, first, uh, we'll do some news and then we'll we'll do our, uh, our Q segment and kind of talk about what everybody has been up to recently. Uh, so we'll do some some quick hits here on news. First up, Crunchyroll Expo just happened this past uh, weekend, like right, uh, like a day before. I think it just ended like a day before right now when we're recording. Yeah, all digital. Uh, we've been kind of covering all of these virtual conventions as they've been going on. Uh, so Crunchyroll Expo also had to move to a fully digital version. And I didn't follow all the news out of it, but one thing that I feel obligated to mention because it's extremely Annie and Gamers content is uh, Crunchyroll announced a Shenmue anime adaptation. Shenmue. Shenmue. Shenmue and anime. I, w- I was informed that the, f- the first comment was about forklifts, but both the first and second comment are about forklifts. Oh, on the Crunchyroll news article. <laughs> Also, a lot of sailors jokes. Okay. I know almost nothing about Shenmue, um, so I, I just can't imagine this is going to be that good. No, it's like, it's such a weird property to, yeah, to adapt, because so much of Shen, so much of what makes Shenmue interesting is that, is how paced out it is, and it's not like, it's deliberately posed to be like this action revenge thing, and then the thing that the main character realizes is that revenge is like, a long arduous progress pro- process where you have to like do shitty odd jobs and not actually kill the guy who killed your father for like 20 years <laughs> it's like you know it's like it's not like a here's a first act second act third act kind of show hopefully there's just like a couple of episodes thrown in there where all you all all you see is just pacing around waiting for three o'clock to come right? around he's just gonna like walk around and be asking for information about sailors yeah and waiting for specific times and yeah like it's if it's if it's really that i'm excited in a bad way very very avant-garde yeah that uh yeah we want to like recreate the is Shamu a jrpg i don't even know is it a, it's, it's a jrpg it's it they 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 called it free which stands for full reactive eyes entertainment <laughs> It's it's a sandbox city game way before those existed. Oh, put it that it's way. a Ubisoft map game. Okay. Yeah, with le- not, like with no lists. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it it's there there aren't many other games like it. It is it is a, it's an open world game where you wait around a bunch and talk to people. That actually sounds cool. You're selling me on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have the game for you. It's called Pathologic. Uh, oh, we'll talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually what Pathologic is. Cool. 
It's yeah, Pathologic is secretly Shenmue 4. Oh, this is like when people thought Death Stranding was going to secretly be the next Metal Gear game. <laughs> uh, so there's another piece of gaming news, uh, which was just announced uh, today, right? I feel like I remember waking up this morning and reading the news. Uh, so this is Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, uh, which is like a, a phrase that starts by me going, I don't care about this and ends with me unfortunately caring about it. <laughs> Yeah, it is a canonical prequel to Breath of the Wild. 100 years previously. 100 years where the main characters who are dead in Breath of the Wild, you get to play as them in Phygannon. Yeah, but it actually sounds pretty cool. Like, all those characters are great, and I am, you know, like everyone who played that game, I think kind of morbidly curious to see what that world looks like before it's destroyed. So, unfortunately, I might play one of these dynasty warriors games because <laughs> it's like they never look interesting to me but it's just not my style of game i don't that like that kind of hack and slash thing it's, it's like a hundred percent like a podcast kind of game oh you mean a game that you talk about on a podcast <laughs> yeah yeah, that. yeah it's, a, it's a game you talk about on your podcast very specific demographic yeah so it's also in the in the art style from breath of the wild i mean it's just you know i love breath of the wild it's kind of easy to please me just give me more of that stuff i do love breath of the wild yeah, one thing that excites me is that, like, you... We know how this ends up, right? Like, we know a bunch of those characters are going to die and there's going to be a sad ending, and that's not something that you would see out of Nintendo any other way besides a, a prequel, right, I think? It's kind of rare in games more generally, even. Because I think, you know, it, it does happen in, in games, but, like, especially in kind of, like, AAA games and stuff, I just feel like, you know, even when they try to do, like, a Last of Us thing or something, it's always, like, there's still an element of, like, you win. Right, and there's, there's always the element of, like, well, we, we could set up for a sequel, maybe. Um, that's, that's the one reason why I'm excited about prequels in, in this case. <laughs> yeah. Because you, you just cut it off there. Yeah, it is. It is just. Uh, it is just sort of sad that it's that it's a prequel with Dynasty Warriors mechanics, and not a prequel. Because like, I I have I have I I'm not particularly interested in this because the thing that I liked about Breath of the Wild was definitely not particularly the story. I agree, but I just kind of like being any kind of connection to it, you know. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm totally with you. Like, I mean, we we're still getting a sequel to Breath of the Wild, so that's fine. That's good. But yeah, if it doesn't have the mechanics, it's it's not going to be as fun because that was the thing that made Breath of the Wild so fun was that like combination of of these like sandbox mechanics. But I know from you know ever since Ocarina of Time, like Capital G gamers have always said, why don't you make a Zelda game that's where you're fighting in an actual war against Ganon? And like li this is literally that, which is wow, cool. Yeah, the finger on the monkey's paw curled. <laughs> I know, right? Like, it could be really, this could go very bad, but, you know, I'll hold my hope out for now. Call of Duty Triforce Edition. Okay, that would really be the finger on the monkey's paw curling. <laughs> that would actually be, that's the whole, that's the whole fist curling. Yeah, what if Hyrule Warriors is just like, just like a sideshow to the main product, which they haven't revealed, which is a Zelda uh, Battle Royale game. I'm surprised we haven't gotten that, yeah. I am surprised, yeah. Actually, you know what I didn't include in the list here is all the Mario news, which happened, like, last week. I don't think I have a complete handle on it. I think I read, like, an article or two, but I couldn't totally wrap my head around it. There's, like, limited time release re-releases of Mario it games. It seems really confusing. 
I feel like that's a thing they do anyway, but the way that they announced it makes everybody extra suspicious. Basically, they're re-releasing the th- uh, three of the three Marios in one game, um, but they said, like, oh, this this is only printing until March of next year or something. Yeah, it's like a false digital scar- scarcity thing. Yeah. Right. It's like Nintendo's equivalent of that Wu-Tang album that they sold to Martin <laughs> Shkreli. <laughs> Martin Shkreli's going to buy this one, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're gonna, and then the government's gonna have to seize Mario from him. Nintendo's making a, a special bespoke Mario game just for Martin Shkreli. <laughs> isn't isn't there like a? I I feel like I I might have dreamed this, but I I must have missed this in the news. Was there? Is there like a Mario uh, battle royale game now as part of that too? Yeah, I I I remember hearing something like that. I'm gonna look it up right now. I know we're mid podcast, but I just need to know. Super Mario Bros. 35 is an online competitive 2D platformer with battle royale elements in the style of Tetris 99. Yes, that's what I thought. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Which, like, Tetris 99 is awesome, so that's kind of cool. Like, I love Tetris 99. Uh, Like, surprisingly, I think my my hot take is that Tetris 99 is the best battle royale game. It's it's pretty fun. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's literally just like Tetris 99. You're playing you're playing Super Mario Brothers. And other people are playing Super Mario Brothers, and you're eliminating each other. Well, everything's a battle royale game now. Just make Zelda one, and then you know, I'm down. <laughs> More battle royales without guns, because uh, Fallout, Fallout Boys, we're Fallout Fallout guys. Guys. pretty fun. Where are we? <laughs> Sorry, where are we dropping? We're dropping into Kakariko Village. Welcome yeah. to the <laughs> Zelda battle royale. But they all still have like player announced battlegrounds, like guns and armor and stuff like that. <laughs> in, but it's like the Ocarina of Time, like. Assets. Oh my god. <laughs> Can you imagine if someone could mod Ocarina of Time where you could do like a speedrun mod, but it's like 99 players speedrunning the same file? That's like Ocarina of Time Trackmania. I would absolutely love that. Oh man. We're coming up with some great game ideas here. I hope someone from Nintendo is listening. Uh, last piece of news is some anime news, and uh, it's that Right Stuff announced uh, at Crunchyroll Expo a um, a pretty pretty uh extreme like ultimate edition of the irresponsible captain tyler the anime series which i think is maybe a little bit forgotten these days except by like you know the generation of people who were kind of like there when it was a little more popular it's pretty cool it's like um it's that kind of classic anime archetype of not not specifically anime but you do see it in anime a lot like the archetype of the male protagonist who is an idiot uh, some I guess often male in my experience often male protagonist but I'm sure it's not only male uh, so sort of like an idiot seemingly you know just like there's no way he could possibly succeed at anything but he's some kind of like some kind of genius you're like is he is he an idiot or a genius it's like that kind of trope you so know it's Firefly oh does fire I have not seen Firefly does it do that Firefly's anime yeah Firefly Firefly's kind of kind of an anime. But it's it's sort of like uh, like Vash, right? From Trigun is a similar character where it's like, is he accidentally shooting the guns out of everyone's hands, or is he a perfect sharpshooter? Right? Like he, you can't. You, eventually, uh, quickly, you find out he's just a really good sharpshooter. I mean, but. it's like that '90s, that late '80s and '90s string of main characters who were comedic, but not all the way comedic. Like you had the comedy guy being in the front of a sci-fi action series. Yes, that's basically what Captain Tyler is. So so he's kind of goofy. He would be the comic relief in another show, but he's the captain. And uh, it, it's a lot of fun. I, I, I don't think I watched all the um, 
all the versions of it, uh, but because there was like a TV series and an OVA and stuff. But uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I remember it being like one of the few shows with like a kind of harem ish element to it that I liked because Tyler is actually very likable, and it's kind of like, well, yeah, I kind of get why people would all be into him. <laughs> He's, he's got a certain charm to him. He's not like a kind of boring harem protagonist. It's not like a harem totally, you know what I mean? But it's got like, he just has like a, a more than a few women who are into him. And it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> the, the rub here is that this thing costs $250 <laughs> for the entire Ultra Edition. It's got an art book. It's got a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, you know, the every every piece of animation that exists for Tyler... Uh, this this really nice art book. Uh, it's obviously on Blu-ray, uh, and this is not like one of those hundred series shows. This is like, I think this is like a twenty-six episodes. Show, yeah, it's right? relatively short. This is not like some some super long franchise, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's premium, capital P. It also has a really interesting like re- kind of release plan where they're doing pre-orders, and it looks like there's kind of like a discount on the pre-orders right now. But like the full price is two fifty, and if they get enough people pre-ordering, they will add more things to the product. So it's all—it's like a Kickstarter. Why does everybody do this? Why is it? Why can't we just sell objects anymore? Like we like I want to buy things and have them. I don't want to have to decipher a freaking whole thing. I don't want to have to try to read the fucking Rosetta Stone in order to figure out how much anime costs. I agree. I was like kind of doing doing the research on this just now and it was like what what i can't it's like a whole blog post i have to read before i figure out what it costs and what comes in it and under what conditions i don't think i'm going to pay that much i like captain tyler but i mean i would buy a captain tyler like regular blu-ray and i'm not 100 percent sure if that is included here like if there is just a regular blu-ray that you can buy for it probably eventually i'm sure they're just marketing the premium thing for first uh, and also just so they, they do have like a graph of all of the stuff that they're um, that like could be added to it. And some of it is like stuff that interests me. I think I've talked before on the show how I'm really not that interested in most of the limited special features we get on anime Blu-rays where it's just like, yeah, here's like, you know, it's dub stuff, which people are into dubs. I'm not really that into like hearing an interview with the dub actors. I want to see kind of like Japanese production staff stuff i'm not even that interested in like japanese voice actors honestly just because voice acting is not my main interest uh this does have like it, you know potentially interviews with like the composer and things like that who's kenji Kawai, worth mentioning the only dvd special feature that i've ever enjoyed is that one on the dvd for inland empire where david lynch goes crazy about people watch, watching movies on their smartphones <laughs> and he's and he, and he's just, and he's just you may think you've seen the movie but you've been cheated it's such a sadness that people think they've seen a film on their fucking telephone get real uh add that every single anime dvd should come with a uh, a special feature of hayao miyazaki saying that even if he didn't make the show <laughs> It should just, it should come with a special, uh, every anime, I'm, I'm adding, I'm upping the ante here, every anime DVD sh- and Blu-ray should come with a special feature that is a commentary track of Hayao Miyazaki watching it and talking about it. <laughs> I, oh man, <laughs> I want that. He would hate that. <laughs> he would, he would absolutely hate it, which makes, 
Which makes it better. Yeah, it makes me so happy. <laughs> Uh, All right, let's uh, let's talk about the queue here. Uh, we're gonna start with you, Cassandra. Hello. Uh, so my 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 entry for the queue is is Pathologic Two, which is a game that I've played. I, I played. It came out last year. I played it for the first time this year. Uh, it is it is a prescient game to have played during uh, a plague. Um, so it's a it is a it's a Russian. Uh, immersive sim horror game thing rpg kind not really an rpg really an immersive sim it really an immersive sim horror it's hard to categorize there's nothing else in the world like it so it is a sequel to slash remake of the 2005 cult classic pathologic which is a janky beautiful mess and i love it um and path so it the original game had three protagonists, uh, the Bachelor, the Harrisbex, and the Changeling, and they're all doctors who all come to this town on the Russian steppe for their own reasons, and then a plague descends in the town, and they have to find a cure for the plague. Um, Pathologic 2 right now only has the Harrisbex in it, but they're planning on adding the Bachelor and the Changeling in the future. Um, so the Harrisbex, he is, he's the son of the town's doctor, and he has been sent to the capital to study medicine and become a surgeon so that he can take over his dad's job. Uh, and he receives a bunch of really worrying letters from his father that then lead him to come back to town and discover as soon as he gets back that his father is dead and everybody thinks he he did it. Um, so he has to not only clear his name and figure out who killed his father, but also deal with this plague that descends on the town. And it's not a normal plague. It is, it is a plague, it is a plague created from the pain of the earth that is sentient and wants to hurt people. Oh, Oh. shit. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah, it's great. It is, so, the the thing that I think most people know about this game, if they know anything about this game, is that it's incredibly difficult. Um, and that's, it's, it is a game, it's not fun. At, at... Almost no point while playing this game will you have fun because it's not a game that's supposed to be fun. What are you? What are you doing in it? Are you? Is it like dialogue based puzzles? I think it's important to to like to to have the perspective of like it's not hard in like a Dark Souls kind of way. It's hard because you are given a lot of things to do, and you know, in addition to the plague that is kind of this creeping dread already. So you have to keep track of your hunger, your thirst, your exhaustion, uh, and also you can get infected with the plague, and then you have to deal with that. And then you're also trying to get around town and find more information and lock things. Like yeah, that, you right? have to do a bunch of chores. You have to do doctor stuff. You know, you have to. You're trying to like find. A, you're trying to find this cure for the plague, and so you're like constantly like running around trying to like get people's organs and boil them in your laboratory so that you can see if that cures the plague. Um, there's this, like, really, so what you do, it's a first-person game where you walk around, you walk around this town, and the town is weird. It's a weird, so, like, most of the town has this sort of, like, 18th, 19th century Russian architecture style to it, but there's also, like, a Baroque cathedral there, and, like, a 1960s Soviet-style tower block, and an enormous tower that defies gravity and is made partially out of its own blueprints. You walk around and you're there's all there's a bunch of people in the town that you can talk to and the dialogue system in this game is is really interesting. So like in most most games sort of use like a like a hub and spoke kind of dialogue model where like you have like a list of questions and then you can ask a question and then they'll answer it and maybe you can ask a follow up question and you get dumped back to the main list of questions. Uh, Pathologic does not go like this. It is instead 
In- instead, you can, it- it's basically like, all right, here are some questions. Ask one. That's probably the only one you're going to get to ask. Oh, like a real conversation. Like a real conversation. Like the conversation is going to move on after you say whatever you say. You can't go back and say the other thing. Um, in-, in the first game, uh, hilariously... So, like, sometimes there will be dialogue options that will just end the conversation immediately, and there will be other dialogue options where you can continue talking. And in the first game, there was no outward indication whatsoever uh, of which dialogue option was which. So you had to, like, sit there and, like, actually think, like, okay, what, if I say this to this person, will they not want to talk to me anymore? Um, now it's, it's, uh, there's a little indicator that tells you like this this will end the conversation if you if you hit this option um but it's still like you you are often encouraged to like lie to people to make them think that you're on their side or that you agree with them so that they'll give you more information uh people will lie to you often or just give you misinformation that they've heard which extremely prescient interesting this sounds like i I was really into uh outer wilds recently which is not like you know, it's obviously a very different kind of game, but it sounds like it has some similarities in terms of like not really holding your hand and like leaving it up to you to figure out the mysteries. I'm realizing is the name of the game also a reference to Pathological Liar? Possibly. I've never considered that I before. I never thought of that until you brought up how much you need to lie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's so the game the whole game is on like this real time clock and the days get shorter as the game goes on. Um, so like day one takes like, like 30 minutes or 30 to 40 minutes. I don't remember exactly. And then by like day 11, the whole day takes like 15 minutes. Um, and so you have 12 days to, to, uh, to cure the plague. And as things go on, you keep getting more stuff to do, but you have less and less time to do it. Um, and you're just running around in the town. There are basically the town is split up into all these districts and which districts are infected with the plague change every day. And if you go into a district that's infected by the plague, you can get infected with the plague. And then the day after a district is infected with the plague, it will be like a post-infection district where there will be like a bunch of like looters in there who will try to kill you and take your stuff. Um, and then you can also kill them and take their stuff. And also because you're a surgeon, you can take their organs and then sell them to a guy uh, who will give you money for organs that you can use to buy ludicrously expensive. Like to give you an idea of like the tone of this game, one of the first things that you, one of the first characters that you meet is this kid named Notkin, who is the leader of a gang of children that live in the warehouse. It's called the Solvana Haves. Um, and he, there's another gang of children who live in the Polyhedron who are led by a guy named Khan. Um, and the, gang of children who live in the poly- who live in the polyhedron killed one of the soul and a half's dogs and so notkin wants you to retaliate um and so you're like okay sure this guy uh sure this guy uh killed killed a dog that's kind of that, that's that stuff i'll go I'll, I'll i'll go deal with him and then of course you show up and he's also a child and so you've just been asked to murder a child um because like murdering children is something that in most video games you can't do uh and this and in this game it's one of the first things they ask you to maybe do uh, if, uh, and if you do it, you can get a gun, um, from Notkin, uh, you can get a gun from Notkin, and then, uh, actually one of the best things you can do with that gun is sell it to buy bread. I do, I really do want to play this. It's yeah. so good. Just from a lot of things I've heard of how interesting this, this game is and where it goes and what it does with its own format. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it sounds like it would press some of my papers, please buttons, so I'm... Yeah, I'm interested. Yeah, uh, Elliot, you have been you've been on a quest that I'm very interested in hearing about. I have been on a quest. Um, 
God, so one of the ways I've been spending my quarantine, basically, is that I have been watching all of uh, Gundam, all of Universal Century Gundam from, from the start, <laughs> in basic, more or less in UC chronological order. Oh, in chronological order, not in release order. Yeah, I mean, somewhat in release order, but like, you know, basically I put in like Origin after the first series and like Unicorn where it goes, stuff like that. And it's, it's, God, it's like, this is my first experience with Gundam, like, really diving in. I've, like, dipped into, like, like, Gundam Wing and Gundam Double Zero before, but never... Never that real shit. Yeah, and I mean, like, I think it, it, it's one of those big, like, you know, worldwide franchises where I convince myself, like, okay, this this is so big, if I tackle this, I want to do it right and devote my time to it, and I'm never going to have that time. I'm never going to have the time to sit down to catch up on 40 years of something the way I actually want to, and then a plague happened, and then, (laughs) so, like, this ended up being, like, a pretty decent excuse to actually do that, Um, and so I just started uh, watching that first Gundam series, 1979 Gundam, back in, like, April. You watched the series or the movies? The series, definitely the series. Why? Not the movies. Yeah, yeah. That's the correct decision. Um, exactly. Really? Yeah. I mean, and, I, I um, haven't actually watched the whole series, but I, I thought, I mean, the general consensus is that the movies are the like the the better version, but obviously the series is like the original version. No, I don't know. Well, I guess I haven't seen the movies yet, so I can't weigh in. But I, I hundred percent agree that like usually the series will do it better than the recap movie. I think the most surprising thing to me for just jumping into 1979 Gundam is how well it holds up, um, how well paced it is, and how much like momentum that show has week to week in a way that I wasn't expecting. Because I've seen like you know I've, I've seen some older early 80s and 70s shows before, and I think a lot at the time that weren't in the sci-fi sphere were kind of uh, like comedy rom-coms or slice of life sort of stuff that doesn't that doesn't really have this momentum. It's kind of just like a show that comes on every week. Um, but yeah, that Gundam is like, I can 100% see why it was so influential and why why it launched so many, you know, why it launched like over a decade of just like anime being obsessed with this, the space opera thing. Um, and then after that, you know, I watched Zeta and I watched the other OVAs. I watched everything. I'm all the way up to Victory Gundam Which now. is pretty far out there. Victory is like... Isn't Victory? I might be uh, my my UC Gundam knowledge is like is is a, a little spotty, but uh, isn't Victory like not UC, but it's actually UC? Like it's so far in the future, it has its own timeline. It is so far into the future that there's no relationship to the original UC, and Victory was the last show before they started doing like the AU stuff, because after that was G Gundam before they started doing like oh we don't need to adhere to this timeline anymore. So in some ways, Victory. I don't know, like, it's interesting, though, right? Because, like, in some ways you can look at Victory as, like, oh, they they had to stick to this original Gundam timeline because because of, of you know, studio demands and, like, you know, toy manufacturing demands and stuff, too. But also, if... I think it, it still manages to comment on the earlier series' themes in an interesting way. Because um, it's still 100% about, like, new types, about, like, what does it mean to be this psychic... This emotional Jedi in a world where, like, the only thing that people know how to use the psychic power to do is to pilot big robots and kill people. Um, So it's still about that. Like, it's still about the UC series in an interesting way. 
And um, yeah, I mean, Gundam has been fun. Like it's 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 so it's, you know it's one of those things where like obviously it's good. <laughs> obviously people have liked this for decades, and now me coming into it, it's like I I really I feel like I'm discovering it for the first time. But it's it's super fresh to me, and it's it's really been a great um, it's been a great run of of shows. I don't know if I would say obviously it's good, but yeah, obviously it has appeal. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in there that like even the big Gundam fans be like, yeah, this this is this part's kind of shitty. Like don't watch yeah, this no, one. There's, there's a lot of stuff like in the OVAs that are like, yeah, this is fine. This is not great. <laughs> For, I just I need to know favorite so far. You're pretty much at the end of UC, but uh, I I'm still super partial to Zeta Gundam. Whoa. The tone. I did not like it. Wow. I. I'm so hooked on the feel that the show gives with its opening themes mm-hmm. in a way that, like, this is the vibe that I love about Gundam. <laughs> I, I think, also, like, I think Zeta does a lot of dumb things. There's a lot of dumb bullshit in Zeta. But I mostly, I have, like, a fondness for Zeta that betrays how objectively good it may or may not be, you know? Well, Zeta is Zeta was very popular, like, uh, a long time ago and then i think it kind of like with i don't know when like younger people like kind of like my age and stuff found it i think there was like a bit of a dip where people were like why are people saying this is so good so but you're in like good company there's a lot of people who really like zeta gundam right and i wonder i like i wonder how much that is contexted by me watching it directly after the first gundam that might be it i don't remember the order i watched in it's such a different feel, and it, it it's like a really exciting expansion of, of that world. Now, what about Double Zeta? I need to know about Double Zeta. Uh, I like Double Zeta a lot. I like Double Zeta a lot. I actually liked Double Zeta. I, I am like a Moon Moon defender. I like it when Bright chases the chickens. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like when Bright is being... Uh, like pelted by spears and says, you guys go on without me, and then a, a minute later says, oh, you already left. <laughs> Um, it's like so dumb. The, the first half of Zeta, it, Double Zeta, is so different from the later half, and I like both. But I think, I think, um, God, the colony drop parts of Double Zeta are like the best parts of mm. UC Gundam. I really love those. Um, yeah, God, I don't know. I don't want to make this into a Gundam podcast. No, yeah, we that's a whole separate podcast. Uh, yeah. But I will mention my entry for the queue, which is relevant. Uh, I am finally going back and watching Gundam Unicorn, which I watched maybe two or three episodes of in college, like when it was coming out. And I thought it was really cool, but I was watching it before. I I mean, I think Netflix might have been around, but, you know, like streaming was kind of first getting uh, more popular at the time. And the only way you could watch it was... You had to like buy the DVDs or Blu-rays or or buy them like individually, digitally or something like that. It wasn't as easy to watch as it is now, so I kind of like didn't finish it. Uh, so now it's on Netflix, the the OVA, because there's also like a TV version of it. Uh, so I'm I'm watching the OVAs on Netflix. Yeah, it's the same thing, but people have told me that the the opening like spoils the show or something, <laughs> like in the opening animation. Uh, so yeah, I've been watching the the OVAs for that and. Uh, I'm. I liked it a lot at the time. I'm maybe revising my opinion. It's cool, uh, but I'm kind of like waiting to see what it does with the new type stuff because I am not always a fan of like the kind of uh, kind of like you know what's the word I'm looking for sort of fantastical aspects of the the new type mythology in Gundam. 
I find it it sometimes becomes a bit of like a hand wave for just like, yeah, just uh, psychic powers allowed this to happen. Oh, yeah, there's literally just like space ghosts that sometimes fix everything. So um, that I'm not as into that. Uh, but but I mean, the main thing that I love about it is just like all the action scenes are incredible and not just like the robot fights themselves are really well animated but they're also just nicely paced and and kind of like just put together in general the the strategies behind them and it it, like what i always want from gundam is more of that like real robot whatever you know like i want i want it to feel like they they are like these military machines right and and that's what part of why I, i like the new type stuff a little bit less um, and I like the stuff I like the most is usually the ones with no new types in them, right? Like, um, very popular choices like war in the pocket and, um, and eighth MS team, right? So that stuff is, is great in it. I mean, the mecha is like all the mecha animation and everything is, is in just like some of the, the, probably the best stuff I've seen in Gundam, uh, though I haven't watched, uh thunderbolt yet or i haven't watched most of thunderbolt thunderbolt also had some great stuff yeah my gundam hot take <laughs> is that i don't like char's counterattack. well a lot of people don't like char's counterattack. it's kind of stupid it's kind of stupid and the thing that they never broach the subject of that is seemingly obvious to me but not obvious to a lot of fans is that like londo bell and bright are the bad guys in this situation they're like they're they're enforcing the rule of of the empire again on Char, who's like obviously wants to nuke the Earth, but like seems bad. Seems kind of bad given the circumstances. Anyway, nuking the Earth sure kills a lot of people, but it also helps a lot of people get to work on time. Say good or bad. But I mean, you know, in, the, in that context, most people are in space and not on Earth, and the idea is like stay off Earth because you guys don't fucking know how to handle yourselves on Earth. So if I have to be a terrorist to make you understand what that means, then yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. That's that's a completely different read. Like I wish I just wish Char was the good guy in that show, but that's totally me and not like <laughs> not what the creators of that show probably set out to do. That's a very intelligent take on Char's counterattack. My take is uh Quest Pariah sucks ass and uh I don't want to watch her. <laughs> I love I like Quest because <laughs> she sucks ass. <laughs> I think it's really funny that Quest comes in as like a 14-year-old. And just, like, solves everything that took Amuro, like, his entire career to do. And Quest is just like, hey, Char, why don't you do this? And he's like, yeah, I guess that's not a bad idea. <laughs> anyway, I, I should rewatch that movie because I just I just have very bad memories of that character from years ago when I watched it. Okay, we could talk about Gundam for a whole podcast. And, in fact, in fact Pat, who will be editing this episode, is, is a, a big uh, mecha and Gundam guy. So he would start yelling at us if we kept talking about it, because we would like get stuff wrong and he'd get angry. So we're going to move on to our review. Maybe not a review. It's kind of hard to review this, but our discussion of the splurts since sensation of 2020 Blaseball. The cultural event of Blaseball. That's right. It's Blaseball. It's baseball with an L. That's not, that's not the tagline. (laughs) (laughs) I had a friend ask me if it was pronounced Blazeball or Blazeball. Ah. It is officially Blazeball. Got it. Yeah. Blazeball is valid, though. Blazeball is a different game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I feel like pe- anybody who says Blazeball is extremely powerful and should not be fucked with. Hmm. 
Okay, so I usually start my reviews with just sort of trying to like lay out what it is. So I will attempt to do that here, but that's a little bit difficult with this. Uh, it is a an absurdist virtual sports betting league. I mean, basically everything is virtual. You're not betting with real money, so it's virtual bets. It's it's a browser game first. First of all, it's a yeah, and you're not betting on. Well, uh, I'm I'm breaking kayfabe. You're not betting on real sports. You're betting on a a virtual sport of baseball in which the rules they're real to me, man. <laughs> <laughs> the rules are the, very similar are basically the same the, the actual like game rules uh are they are pretty much the same as as uh it what we know as as baseball right there's like bases there's strikes there's you know of pitchers and cat and whatever pitchers and batters but there are various kind of uh things that can change about it including things that can be voted on by the players uh and the players in in sort of our plane of existence is the uh like the actual people playing the the browser-based game but they're the the real stars of the show are the the players of baseball, the randomly generated characters who actually hit the ball, with names like Randall Marijuana and Blood Hamburger and uh, Six Pack Dog Walker. They're all named like that. Uh, uh, that meme, which I don't remember what game that's from. From the uh, Fighting Baseball. I yes, believe. Fighting Baseball for the Super Famicom. Bobson Dugnut. Yeah, yeah, pretty much that. Sleeve McDykel. <laughs> Okay, so the idea here is there's every week, uh, baseball like sort of has this simulated league where all the teams play every hour in various matchups, and just like in baseball, they kind of end up with a with a champion at the end, and everybody is uh, betting on the the teams and and collecting coins uh, and buying kind of upgrades for like passive income or do or giving doing like bigger bets do you literally buy vote you buy vote just just like in real life you buy votes and peanuts you buy peanuts don't forget yeah also just like in real life <laughs> the two the two things you can buy in real life i i learned from homer simpson that 20 dollars can buy many peanuts you can exchange money for goods and services so you mentioned votes because there's the elections so at the end of the week at the end of the season uh, everybody can spend their votes to uh, to vote on rule changes to baseball, and these are uh, I guess determined by the commissioner. Is that who determines them? Yes, who is doing a great job. He's doing a great job. Yeah, uh, and then basically that that changes the next season and causes all sorts of things. I think there have been rule changes that made it so that umpires can incinerate players. Elliot, you can you can help explain some more of these. I can explain all of that. Um, yeah, I think the biggest context to go in is like, what even is this? Is like, it's not just oh, fake baseball. It's it's a game that simulates being a fan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because you, when you come in and you sign up, you are still playing the role of a fan, and you don't actually hit the ball. You don't actually have these action things. But you watch other games that play out. Um, and and as you said, the main difference is like, as a fan, you can also reach in and influence the game by changing up the rules. Um, and rules that become increasingly horrific and, uh, <laughs> and Lovecraftian and include things like um, making one team's hometown become swallowed by a mouth of hell, and now their name is the Hellmouth Sunbeams. Or did they used to not be the Hellmouth Sunbeams? Yeah. What were they before they were in Hellmouth? Before that, they were Moab Sunbeams from Moab, Utah. Ah. And now that entire city of Moab, Utah has been swallowed by hell. Like I don't, I don't keep track enough of like what's going on day to day or hour to hour in baseball. 
But one of the things that that I had to like do some reading on the wiki about, which we'll get into, is, you know, there was the Los Angeles tacos. And then I logged on and I wasn't really paying attention and I didn't notice, but they were now they're called the unlimited tacos. Yeah, Los Angeles is no more. Yeah, I was so I was focused. So this is as the result of a thing that the community calls the Grand Unslam, which to me was me watching one of the most exciting baseball games of all time, which is a, it was a Shoe Thieves Tacos game that was like, it was like 14-14 in inning like 11. It was out of control. It was, it was a, it was a wild, it was a wild baseball game. Baseball, baseball game. Baseball game. It, and then it, 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 suddenly the website went down and then when it came back up, the tacos had lost. <laughs> And it was deeply tragic. After that, both of the teams had one extra game played on their record. Yes. Than than every other team in the league. So there was like, it was like it changed reality in a way. Like obviously that's that's like editorializing, but it literally made those teams experience something that no other team in that game had. So people started writing like, what actually happened here? Is this like, you know, is there something fun about this? Is there was this like a temporal anomaly that's part of? the universe of baseball you small brain listeners might be thinking oh maybe it was just a bug on the website there's not it's just not a bug this was like a, a break in reality that caused the teams <laughs> to slip into an alternate dimension because the game is set up to be hey this is like real life but a little bit different it encourages everybody who engages with it to add a little bit something to it like because it's not just the game that's like oh this is like baseball with an l it's like they they have this presence on twitter on social media on discord where you're you're encouraged to be immersed in this sort of like stupid fantasy absurdist world and so when when the website crashes it's like okay obviously (laughs) you know there's a problem with the server but (laughs) what if there's more than that like isn't it more fun to say there's actually more than that and then it's double exciting when when the developers of the game take what the community has written about about that event and say, yeah, that that's canon. We're gonna add that. We're gonna reflect what you've the fiction that you've written about the game and and have that pop up in other parts of the game. And now what you're writing is partially canon. What we're giving to you is also semi-canon. Like it, nothing has to be. Nothing has. To, th- there's like this authorial relationship that's a lot like tabletop role-playing games where they're kind of improvising on what happened. That's a good point. People think of these randomized characters and then in- integrating that into what shows up on the actual website uh, week to week. And that, like, that's, that's basically like why people are excited about this game in a nutshell. It's, it's super interactive in a way that isn't just like clicking buttons, right? It, or like mastering stuff. It's more like a metafiction than a video game. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and that's why it's this internet sensation that's, uh, that has been my super hyper fixation for the past month. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really excited about it because it gives me the opportunity to actually be a fan of a baseball team. So I actually, I quite like real life baseball, mm. but uh, I don't actually have a favorite real life baseball team, largely as an artifact of the place that I live, because the two, the two baseball teams closest to me are the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. Oh, no. You don't want to be a fan of either of those. Well, honestly, I, I grew up in a Yankees household. So I am now a, I'm now a non-practicing Yankees fan, which just, it just means that I frown at Red Sox hats. I, I literally, I have the exact same situation. <laughs> yeah. But, but like, be, because one of the, one of the most crucial things about this game is that it's not possible to engage with baseball the way that I engage with real baseball 
you have to pick a team that you're a fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, and and one of the most genius things that this game did very early on was is is it the first thing that happens when you sign up is you're just told pick a favorite team. It doesn't show you the stats. Like it doesn't show you anything. You just have to pick a team. So I I sat around and I considered I considered going for the New York Millennials because I do live in the New York metro area. Mills love the Mills love the Mills. Uh, but then I decided that that would that would be lame, and supporting a New York baseball team is lame. <laughs> I decided to support because like the probably the closest the closest thing to a, a favorite baseball team that I have in real life is the Los Angeles Dodgers. So I decided to support the Los Angeles Tacos. And then was quickly distressed to learn that they're terrible. <laughs> they are the they have been the worst team in the game by by record for the past four seasons, five seasons now, by by a large margin. But they have the most story behind them. Yeah, but right now there are teams like the Canada Moist Talkers, which is the most upsetting, the most deeply upsetting team name. Yeah, <laughs> the Moist Talkers have a worse win loss record than us. They're nine and twenty six right now, and the tacos are fourteen and twenty one. Tacos are doing really good this season. But I feel like these people are pretenders to the throne because <laughs> we're we have on 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 the tacos we don't have a single player with more than three stars. So you're upset the tacos aren't doing shittier. I'm upset that there are people stealing. They're stealing valor from us of being the worst team in baseball by just being in a division that's tougher than us while like the moist the moist talkers have polka dot patterson who's a great pitcher they do she's like a five-star pitcher yeah they have a five-star pitcher you know they have they have all sorts they have all sorts of stuff well okay what are the stars i i'm gonna have a lot of questions here because i'm still trying to figure out baseball what like there's all these stats which i always complain about when games give me too many stats but in this case it's kind of funny and so i'm i'm okay with it but what what do the stars mean right so if you go to any particular player you can click on their profile and you see that they have four stats they have batting they have pitching base running and defense and those are measured in stars um usually one to five or one to six stars Six is very new. Like six is like, oh, I didn't know it went up to six. And there, it's worth noting that uh, these stats are calculated based on substats that include uh, such stats as anti-capitalism and Shakespeareanness. <laughs> there are stats that the that fans of the game cannot see unless you unless you like dive into the game's code and then you find the hidden stat. Yeah, the secret hidden stats such as laser likeness and and flackability and unflackability, which are different stats. They are. Um, and we call that in the baseball community forbidden knowledge. It is considered a spoiler. You've you've been granted forbidden knowledge here on this podcast. These are for this is forbidden knowledge. Did you know that good pitchers have more than ten fingers? There's a finger stat, but if you have if you're like a five star pitcher, you might have like eighty fingers. That's a lot of fingers. I feel like there's probably a curve. Like, I feel like if you if you had more fingers, you could probably throw some weird pitches that people aren't expecting. Like, you could throw, you could throw like, a, like a five-seam fastball, and nobody would expect that. This is the sequel to Octodad. It's like you're, you've got a, uh, you, you have like a 80 fingers, but you need to pretend that you have five fingers, and you're just a regular pitcher. <laughs> then you get to a point where you have... You have like eighty fingers, and I feel like that would impair your baseball throwing ability more than more than assisted. Yeah, it depends where those fingers are. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> they don't have to be on your hands. I guess it's never specified. 
It just never says well. I, I think that another important point, um, you know, if you're not familiar, familiar with Blazeball, there are no graphics, like right? Like, there's no representation of what these characters are. It's all text. It's all everything that happens is, is delivered to you in text logs, like, yeah, it's like it's like listening to a baseball game on the radio. And uh, so when you click on a on any particular player, you see these stats, you see their name, but some things that it doesn't have is a photo of them. It doesn't have their gender or pronouns. It doesn't have their species. <laughs> like, and that has allowed a lot of fans to come in and just make really cool fiction and really cool fan art, uh, and really make these characters vibrant and weird and fantastical and especially queer like that's been such a big through line of the online community that has flocked to this is is just making all of these characters into really really interesting just like nuggets of characterization i'm a fan of the i found this out later the uh the gayest team in baseball the new york millennials that's cool yep they are the gayest team in baseball (laughs) it's just a fact we measured it scientifically we got out our finest calipers. <laughs> yeah, I, I recently this week I saw Tacos fan art for the first time, which I hadn't seen. I'd, I'd seen countless, countless Hades Tigers fan art, and I had just never seen uh, a Tacos fan art. And I saw that person who drew Vito Kravitz as a skeleton, and it made me so happy. I love skeletons. Big skeleton fan here. The thing that I kind of need help with, and this is like maybe useful for listeners who might find this kind of you know this idea interesting is it seems like there there is like a and there's an obvious entry point to blazeball right make an account on blazeball.com but it feels to me like that's not where the action is like you you need to kind of have an entry point somewhere else and i don't i haven't totally found where that is like a like a discord or i know there is a discord and there's like a subreddit like where is like the kind of place or places to go to kind of like find the the fan side of it which does you know you don't interact with fans on blazeball.com you just interact with the the games i definitely just follow people on twitter who talk about baseball and then mute them because they're hades tigers fan <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah a lot of it is social media it's it's really interesting because the game itself wasn't designed to have an answer to this question like you know if you if you find a big budget video game that wants this sort of uh community interaction they, they're going to have the centralized thing like a social hub in the game right like a social hub and and they'll ha- already have like these you know, everybody to manage how that works out and how how feedback trickles up and stuff. Um, in Blazeball, it's it's the classic story of of a small project going viral way too soon, and then everybody behind it scrambling to like give it the foundation that it needs. Um, I think. I mean, the best answer to that is like the Discord is the biggest centralized community by far. There's about fourteen thousand members almost. That's terrifying. On, on that disc, it's it is terrifying. I, I and I am a moderator on that Discord, and I do my try my best. It's it's very civil. <laughs> like I, we are pretty good at at weeding out people who are trolls and who are people in bad faith, and we try our best to knock them out before they cause a lot of stress. But it's a big community, and you know we also like encourage people to have to have uh, uh, branching off communities and like have their own smaller discords, maybe like for for particular teams. Or for particular, like, I know there's a Discord just for, for role players, right? Like, people who are interested in that side of, of embodying characters and making uh, Twitter accounts where they are role-playing particular players. Who's being role-played? Are they role-playing as, like, their own characters or as the players? But I guess they're doing it as the players. As the players, yeah. There's so many entry points in, like, there's a wide number of entry points, but I guess if you're looking for really specific things, a lot of it's centralized to 
the Discord because that's that's where the developers themselves um, hang out and like are able to make announcements and stuff. But um, yeah, as you can imagine, like any community that becomes bigger than ten thousand people is is not always going to be for everyone. It can't suit everyone, and and I think everybody who runs that Discord community is is fine with that. Like if that doesn't suit you, there's so many like most of the players, obviously, most of the people who inter interact with blazeball.com are not on that discord um they're like and you said subreddits they're in twitter they're in their own you know you know like 10 people groups of who just like chat about their own side of what they like about baseball there's a lot <laughs> it's it's pretty it's pretty it's a pretty wide net and i think if you want a way into if you want to weigh in and you want to be surrounded by people who have a lot of answers the discord is a pretty welcoming and good place to be yeah i've enjoyed just sort of talking to my friends who are also into it in the same way that i engage with real life baseball which is that i just talk to my friends who also enjoy it yeah this this is one of the things that i think is like neat about it and and i'm still kind of like trying to figure out the best way for me to interact with it is like you know i i'm probably not going to like make fan art of it right but but what i find really really interesting is the idea of like just the way that most people experience baseball, right? Uh, and and sports, which is just, it's like the way, I'm not a big sports fan. The way my dad is a sports fan is like, he's just, he watches the games and then he argues with other people about like, oh, the team should get this player or whatever, right? Like <laughs> The prime sports experience. Yeah, yeah. Like you just get worked up about stuff that happens to the team that you can't necessarily affect. And, and in this case, it's literally just like, it's a dice roll on a website. Yeah, it's, it, it fully exposes the fact that sports sports is just like random number generators that people build narratives out of right 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 that's like it's it's super cool and i i, I do want to have more uh like more exposure to that so i'm i've been following more of the twitter accounts and, and seeing more of the stuff there there's a lot of games to watch though that's that's part of like the difficulty is like you know how would you know i guess if you're on the discord or something right like how would you know to tune in for like the game that caused uh, Los Angeles to split into an unlimited number of cities. Right. It's, it's just luck. I mean, because even in the case of like, that was a very special game that had a, like, that ended up having a lot of fiction and lore behind it. That was just by chance, right? Like if you, like has said, if you watching from the beginning of that game, you had no idea what was going to happen and nobody, nobody did either. The developers didn't know that was going to happen. Right. <laughs> um, so uh, sometimes the exciting thing is just that, anything can happen and it's very so much to chance that the important thing to know is that all of the matches happen at the same time there's a match every hour but every single team is playing a match so there's there's out of the 20 teams and when they play each other that's 10 games every hour and you know most of the time nothing happens right but if something big happens normally you can you can look it up later normally you can ask somebody who has been paying attention or you can look up on the wiki to see what if anybody was incinerated to death how does that happen? The umpires can incinerate players. Can explain this <laughs> to me. Just randomly at the end of games. Yes. This is one... Incineration is one of the big rule changes that happened. One of the earliest rule changes that happened where baseball turned into, like, this is a virtual baseball sim into, like, this is a weird horror nightmare land. Um, because, uh, like you mentioned, you mentioned you vote at the end of every season, or you vote throughout the season at the end of every season. The thing with the highest votes uh, becomes a new rule. So in the first season, there were some rules that you could vote on, like the worst team this this uh, season just gets replaced with a new one. Okay, sure. 
Um, one that's like, there are others that are like, some of the teams get a fourth strike instead of three strikes. Like, nonsensical rules to, sensical changes to the rules of baseball. In season one, there was one called The Forbidden Book, and the <laughs> description was, it is forbidden. So, of course, everybody voted for it. Yeah. <laughs> everybody voted for this, not knowing what it is, not knowing what it means. When... The season ended and the elections closed and they announced the results of the election. Obviously it won. And the results are there are now there there's now a constant uh, solar eclipse. The sun is gone. Hellmouth swallows Moab, Utah, like we mentioned. One player on the Seattle garages, Jalen Hot Dog Fingers, was incinerated. And now all the umpires' eyes glow white, and sometimes there is a rogue umpire who has a small chance of incinerating any player during any match also the rule book was the rule book was open and the rule book yeah obviously yeah and the forbidden book opened the rule book reads like a an scp (laughs) you can see it on the website it is a rule book and at least half of it more than half of it is just redacted they removed something something happened with the peanuts that got rid of my favorite joke in the entire book which was the section about one million peanuts which for a while said, if at any time, redacted, one million peanuts. <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all stuff like that. It's great. It was, and now, now the whole, the full sentence is revealed and it says, if at any time the fans have angered the baseball gods, they may atone by eating one million peanuts. But I preferred it when it was just, if at any time, one million peanuts. The very first line here, for example, is seasons. Each season of baseball shall last 99 games. In the case of redacted, seasons shall redacted. It's all written like that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a it's a lot. I give you enough to like understand how the structure of the game is, but there's even more that's hidden. Yeah, one of my the my other actual my other favorite redaction is crying in baseball is redacted. <laughs> <laughs> could go either way. Yeah, could go either way. Who knows what the what the forbidden book says about crying in baseball. So I, I only know like a sort of limited set of lore, but one of the things I know is that during the sol- the, the constant solar eclipse, uh, my current idol, Thomas uh, Dr- Dracaena, he, he had like his best ever season or something like that. And, and there's uh, suspicions that he may, he may be a vampire based on his name, but he denies it. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. It, are there rules against vampires playing baseball? No, there's there's nothing else that the vampire can't play. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like Airbud. Yeah, I mean there are six pack dog walkers a dog. Okay, there, six pack dog walker is a player who is six dogs at the same time, like stacked on top there's of each no other. Rule saying is six dogs can't play baseball. <laughs> uh, I I should have picked a different idol because I see here just above Dracina in the uh, the rankings is Blood Hamburger. So that really is kind of my brand. I should be picking that. Blood Hamburger is good. Playing for the Charleston Shoe Thieves. I'm surprised. One thing that made me very happy is that that the the player formerly known as Wyatt Mason <laughs> uh, is num- is the seventh is the seventh most idolized. So we can okay. So one of the things that happened when so we the tacos used to have a player called Wyatt Mason. He was bad, like everybody else. He was the, the worst, tacos. right? On the tacos, he was. I no Comfort Glover was worse, I believe. He was just like some guy. He became more than some guy. One of the worst, for sure. He was definitely one of the worst, but like the gap between best and worst on that team is small. So after the Los Angeleses split into Infinite Los Angeles after the Grand Unslam, every single player on the Tacos was renamed to Wyatt Mason. This is so good. 
<laughs> yeah. So they were all Wyatt Mason, which is just like it's such a it's it's such a just it's such a name, you know. It's one of the more boring names that this game can generate. Like it's just <laughs> and it was just this this sort of ultimate kick in the pants to the tacos that now we're all we're all Wyatt Mason. Uh, and so then after then the, then the the baseball went on the long two week siesta to rebuild the entire website uh, where they did emergency surgery on javascript and partway through there they decided that they were going to to name to try to fix the tacos to at least make them individually identifiable and so they 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 the unwieting was performed but it was it was incomplete it was an incomplete unwieting so so we we've there's been some feedback swaps where we swap players with some other teams so they're not every player on our team has Wyatt or Mason in their name and, and it wasn't it wasn't the case initially because Baldwin bread breadwinner got away unscathed uh, and then escaped, and then escaped to the shoe thieves. I believe it was that whole like unwiet masoning was kind of a very like ARG light event that happened only on Twitter and not on the website. And and one of my favorite things about that is that the original Wyatt Mason was the last to be quote unquote repaired, and uh, they changed his name to not a number. The com- yes, the commissioner of the league found that he could not, they could not solve. The mystery of the original Wyatt Mason and Wyatt Mason is now known as NAN or Not a Number. I didn't know that was the origin story of NAN. Of Mr. Not a Number. Yeah, so despite absolutely sucking shit, uh, Not a Number is the, the seventh most idolized baseball player. Idolizing is another mechanic where like player, uh, where fans can like pick an idol, right? And then they get like passive income based on when their idol does stuff like it's a hit or gets a home run or whatever i'm kind i i i have sort of mixed feelings about the idols mechanic so so my, my current idol is nagomi mcdaniel which i only really chose not because uh i really like them but because they get a lot of hits and so i can get a lot of money which i can spend on votes to make the tacos better which is is just my i i am playing i'm playing money ball right now <laughs> <laughs> in that i'm just i'm just trying to maximize my my income so that i can try to make the tacos not garbage um through through blessings uh and this one of the current decrees uh that is that is up for vote is enhanced party time so party time is what the baseball community calls calls it when you've been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs so you you don't have to play anymore you can just party well no you still you still have to play oh you still play got it you play the rest of the season but now you're partying because it doesn't matter if you win or lose it's some real yeah it's some real cheerful not cheerful nihilism stuff <laughs> But last season, the tacos, they sped run. They did a speed run on party time, as in they were, they got so many losses so early on that they were mathematically eliminated from playoffs by Thursday. Yeah, a, a world record. It was hilarious. Um, it, I just it it wrapped it, it it wrapped around from being tragic to just being beautiful. It was it was it was pretty great. So now there's a decree that when a team is in party time, they get they ha- will have a chance of of receiving random permanent stat boosts during their games, which is cool. And I think that this mechanic is good because I think that the thing that baseball needs more of is like these sort of really strong rubber banding mechanics to make things more interesting. Is is the voting not already effectively a rubber banding mechanic? Like like because the tacos have a lot of fans, right? So they could get a lot of votes. It doesn't. The tacos don't have the most fans. Oh, really? Yeah, like teams that teams that win a lot, especially now that like it's sort of more public knowledge what teams are good and what teams are bad, and more people are able to earn enough money to get fair weather flutes. 
that they can, which is a, an item that you can buy that lets you change your favorite team. That's a great name. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's really good. So, you know, there are going to be a lot more people who are going to be changing their team affiliation to the Baltimore Crabs, who are currently the best team in the league, uh, or the Hades Tigers, um, who ha- have in the past been very good and are sort of, mid- so, sort of, been, are sort of middling now. Um, you know, there, so there are going to be a lot of people changing their allegiances from bad teams to good teams, which then means that good teams are going to get more blessings. Like the the, Baltim- the Baltimore Crabs, who already um, were really good, got four blessings. Oh, in in the last election, I gotta say this is this seems like it's just recreating baseball now. Oh yeah, it is. It's totally. It is exactly the same problem as real life baseball. Yeah. <laughs> I, the, I mean, the diff- the main difference is that, like, y- there are people who are interested in making it fairer as opposed to yeah, right. real-life baseball who, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, and the other, thing, the other thing to note, too, is, like, so much of the game was random, is random, and was random. That, like, even at Season 1, even when all of these teams came up from nowhere, uh, some were, like, statistically, numerically better than others, and that gap has widened as they win more or as they get hit by better random chances more. So that stuff fluctuates a lot. The, the idol mechanic, I think it's it's a little bit f- frustrating because it, incur- it very much encourages you to idolize players that you don't necessarily actually idolize just to get money. Mm. And I I was I would perhaps be more interested in it if it was if it was more individual player performance based. Like if like you could idolize a player and like you got money if they did better than their average or something like that. Oh, I see. You know, like in like in in a way where like you can you can root for somebody to get better at at the at the sport uh, instead of uh, instead of just just rooting for people who are already doing who are sort of like the objective best player in the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like if you're in it for getting, if you're trying to maximize the money that you get in a in you know just like a straight game way, um, yeah, it, it makes more sense to idolize players that you might not even be attached to but have higher stats behind them. But it's definitely like this is a mechanic that just appeared three days ago. So it's it's definitely subject to change. One really interesting thing worth mentioning is that like an hour before podcast, uh, hour before we started recording, players have discovered uh, another way to use idols that isn't just idolizing the best player for maximizing profit. But instead, they found uh, what might be a genuine way to resurrect the dead. Exciting. What is the way to resurrect the dead? This is blaking baseball news. <laughs> <laughs> Brand new. This is the new tech. So, so on the site, there's a there's a standing there's like a ranking, a leaderboard of who has the most idol, like which players have been idolized the most, who have the most fans. I think I'm seeing what the strategy is here. And also this this season, there is a blessing that says whoever is number 14 on the leaderboard will join your team. Uh-huh. Here's the here's the thing that was new today. Players have discovered that you can go to the player profile of an incinerated player and idolize them. You can still be an idol of a player who has been incinerated. Right. So what happens if you get a player to number 14 and then have that blessing come into play where whoever's in number 14 position joins your team. Are you resurrecting the dead? Do they come back like as a zombie or something? We don't know. I can say that a bunch of people messaged uh, our bug fix team and said, hey, we found out that you can just like click the idle button on incinerated players. Is this a bug? 
And the response from the dev team was, there is no bug to report. Thank you for enjoying Blazeball. <laughs> <laughs> so are we going to resurrect the dead? Probably. So the, the, plan, the plan here appears to be to resurrect Jalen Hot Dog Fingers. Yes, the first person who was ever incinerated. Back with a vengeance. They're listed here. This is interesting because I did look this up a little bit. They're listed here as being on the team null team. So it's like not being on a team is not listed as no team. It's listed as like a, a team that exists in some some other plane of existence, uh, the, the null team. You can ne- even in death, you can never. Stop it's the fighting. skeleton army. It's basically the skeleton army, right? Like Jalen Hot Dog Fingers was conscripted. <laughs> Yeah, you automatically get drafted onto the skeleton baseball team. <laughs> the other thing that, that indicates that this is probably intentional is is the fact that Jalen Hot Dog Fingers has a skull next to their name, um, which, which like, oh, they made an icon for this. This is clearly, clearly the intended behavior was for people to idolize <laughs> dead players and resurrect them. So he, he's sitting at number 14 right now, so it, this could happen, yeah. This is working so far. Like, people are organized enough to... to manufacture those leaderboards right um and this is what is really exciting about blazeball it's what like a lot of people are just getting really into week to week is that there's so many mysteries beyond just watching random games there's so many weird things that we don't know what the creators of the game are are dealing with and even what stuff they just might be improvising as they go along is equally as fun right for all we know some of this was unintentional and now they're just rolling with it but like that's just as valid as if they planned it all along and that's super fun right like i have no i have no idea like i am closer to the developers than most people because i work on that moderation team but i have no idea what's going to happen next exciting that's exactly what you would say if you were the mastermind pulling the blazeball strings all along we have the commissioner on the show today. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it's just like that super deep pitch, like voice modulation they do for gang members on TV. Okay, so I think we're, we're nearing the end here. We've, we've covered most of this. I, I will ask uh, maybe one of maybe my, my last kind of question here, which is, you know, we have a lot of nerds listening to this anime manga video game show who might be saying, well, I don't like sports, so I don't know if I would like sports either. So, kind of like, is, is this fun for non for people who don't have like even a passing interest in sports? Yes, yes. I don't have a prior experience with baseball or following team sports that closely, and I have just taken to this so well because like the things that make this appealing aren't necessarily like that. I know how baseball works. Like that's actually pretty easy to learn. The thing that has been really exciting for me is. is the same thing that makes me excited about fiction, right? The thing that makes you excited about mm-hmm. games that, that have new updates. And it's seeing a story unfold, and it's being part of a fandom. And it's being part of something that is just full of mystery, right? In, in an exciting and safe way, and in, in like a way that allows me to, to even just contribute a little bit at a time. And that's, I think that's universal, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you're a big nerd anyway. Right, right. <laughs> I am excited about about baseball in in this way because it 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 is part of a sort of longer trend that I've seen of people starting to realize the sort of overlap between traditional sort of nerd culture pursuits and sports. And I would say that if you like baseball, check out baseball. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have doesn't have cities being swallowed into hell mouths. Yeah, have you heard of baseball? I don't know. You know, watch some John Boy's videos. See see how it treats you. For sure. Like Definitely watching John Boyd's videos. 
There was a player named John Boyce, and they got incinerated within three days, and everybody's very sad about that. They died instantly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was not meant to be. It, yeah, I mean, that was the, that's the truest possible outcome. <laughs> I, I, I'll say, I also think this, you know, has a lot of appeal for, uh, or, or can appeal to non-sports fans. Uh, like, I think your point, Elliot, was was pretty good, that, like, the core of this is not actually baseball. Like you can, you can sit there and watch the sort of ticker. And, you know, I found myself occasionally feeling like I was watching a a baseball game. You know, I was like, Oh yeah, I hope they hope they, you know, like watching the bottom of the ninth and like, Oh, they better get a hit, you know? But like, yeah, the, the actual thing, the actual like game or experience here is, uh, which I'm still kind of like learning, right. Is that, that meta, you know, fandom around it. And that's like, you know, if you like, if you like sports anime, this is <laughs> not that far off, right? <laughs> it captures the prime experience of real baseball, which is having it on in the background where you do it. Yes, like it. yes, yes. That's why people complain about baseball and they're like, oh, nothing happens. And it's like, yeah, that's why it's like one of the only sports that I'm at all into because it can just be on and you don't have to pay attention it's the whole time. It's a podcast game. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, like, I can't watch basketball because too much stuff happens. It's too interesting. You have to watch the whole time. I could be doing something else. I will say also, like, even though my pitch involves, like, oh, being a fan of fiction and being into, like, this fandom side, there are also, like, a bunch of people in the community who who just have no interest in, like, the wiki or the fan fiction stuff and who have plenty to, to hang on to with uh, the stats and the rules. And there's enough storytelling there for to see players who go from, like, you know, who are just like a middling three-star, two-star player, but like they have an amazing home run record or something, right? Like there's, there's a lot, there's still a lot of narrative there that doesn't have to be as literal as like you know this this character is so and so and their history is so and so and they're friends with this character, right? There's there's so much more to that to to all of these things coming into play um, that you can get excited about too. Yeah, I'm definitely closer to that end. Like, I I don't really follow any like the players on Twitter or anything like that. As in as in real life baseball, kind of kind of a stats nerd. Uh, I will I will point out that, that somebody will somebody is or some people are working on a so there's a, a website for baseball called baseballreference.com, uh, which is a it's a comprehensive database of just like every baseball player who's ever played the game. You can find stats on people from the 1890s it's amazing it's the greatest website in the world but and somebody some people are building a baseballreference.com which is very exciting and it's it's sort of it's very work in progress but it's 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 really cool and they have like stats breakdowns and and leaders for different stats and stuff and you can really see you know all all of the all of the stats that nerds like me really get into you know so if you like numbers there's there's that for you i also think maybe as a a I think we're we're kind of at the end here. So the kind of final thought is that something that we haven't talked about is just uh this is obviously a response. It was it's explicitly was designed as a response to COVID and the fact that baseball and and, and sports in general were, were uh, kind of not not happening or at least not happening in the in the regular way. And so it is like, you know, oh well since we don't have real baseball, we'll have virtual baseball. And that's kind of like, I think, important context here, right? For this idea of like recreating the experience of stat crunching. And it's like, well, you don't actually need real players to have stat crunching. You can invent all the stats. <laughs> Make up names, pull them out of a hat and just give them random stars and that's stat. But it's also, and it and it's it's now that baseball is, is happening again, you know, it, I find it just as fulfilling to watch, to watch both in the same way that I enjoy both 
ML- the MLB and Japanese baseball. Um, you know, it's just there's different things. There are different players with different rules, and and you get to see different sorts of stuff play out. There's enough that's different between these different things that allows you to follow all of them and, and get, make there a place in the world for all of well, them. Well, since you mentioned MLB and Japanese baseball, it does make me wonder if uh, we'll see any trades across the the different games you know if we could see somebody from baseball play in the mlb that'd be pretty great we're gonna jurassic park these these baseball players into existence mlb needs more vampires i'm also interested in like the soma universe where we we like copy real baseball players and like albert Pujols is just trapped in baseball <laughs> not, not that there is a baseball version of them but we have like sucked them into the universe of baseball <laughs> Yeah, we sucked Clayton Kershaw into baseball. We've cre- it's 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 an isekai baseball anime. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's as good a place as any to end it. I, I will just I'll uh, I'll leave us with one uh, Patreon comment, not a question, from uh, Thomas Pandich, uh, one of our lovely patrons. I asked for questions, and he just gave us Mills for Days, which I agree with as a fan of the New York Millennials. (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, that's it for Blazeball. Hopefully, everybody checks it out. It's probably not for everyone, but uh, it is free. So just just give it a try. Check it out. Try some, you know, check out the, the Twitter accounts and join, place a couple bets and see if you if uh, it strikes your fancy. And I should mention, like, Blaseball, since it is free, it's it, and it's such, like, a small team who had made it. It's all Patreon-supported. Um, so if you are a big fan of it, definitely go check out their Patreon, patreon.com slash Blaseball. For sure, yeah. It's felt like w- them providing it for free is, like, super cool, and they deserve to be... Uh deserve to be paid for that yeah they also they also sell merch but the merch all the profits from the merch goes to charity which is really cool uh and they sold as just like the ultimate sort of consolation prize for being a tacos fan we did get the best t-shirt the tacos t-shirt is amazing and i bought one instantly that's that's cool is like wearing you know wearing like a nerd shirt in general has that kind of like funny thing where you know someone's like what's that from you're like oh don't worry about it but it's even better when it's like yeah it's like a it's a baseball team and they're like oh I, I, I'm into baseball. You say it's a baseball team? I haven't heard of that team. You're like, no, it's a baseball team. It's different. <laughs> <laughs> the advantage of the taco shirt is that to the uninitiated, it does just look like I really like tacos, which I do. <laughs> I once, one time I was in New York City and I was sitting around on a bench just waiting for, I was waiting for somebody and I saw a guy walk past me wearing a shirt that said gnocchi, just he was just a fan of gnocchi like and i approve of this man no he wasn't he you're misunderstanding he, he wasn't a fan of gnocchi he was a fan of the philadelphia philadelphia gnocchis which is a fl- a football team <laughs> oh good 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 yeah okay all right we, we could keep doing this all day but uh i think it's time for us to head out before i do my whole outro elliot where can people find you you can find me on twitter.com at name of the year all right. And you can also, I'll, I will shout out, uh, there's a bunch of things Elliot and I have done together over the years, but one that I'm particularly proud of is, uh, what was it, season three of Anime Academy, uh, where I wrote a bunch of stuff about uh, animation, the animation process, and uh, Elliot was one of the hosts. Look that up on YouTube. I think that is, that's on the Crunchyroll channel, right? Uh, I think, yeah, I think it's still on the Crunchyroll channel. It's good stuff. Had a bunch of good hosts on there. It was you, me, Victoria, and Rena, right? And how about you, Cass? 
Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Prophet underscore Goddess. You can find me on Mastodon at Prophet underscore Goddess at Skeleton dot cool. You can find, uh, I make video games, and you can find them at ProphetGoddess.itch.io. No underscore in that one. Uh, and I also do an anime podcast uh, called Anime is for Jerks. It's an anime book club thing. We watch a new show every month. This month we're, uh, so this month we watched Kids on the Slope which is very good and exciting. And then next month for spooky October Halloween times, we're watching Ayakashi Samurai Horror Tales. Mm. Uh, and you can find that podcast at the wonderful URL, anime.gripe. Excellent. I didn't know that was a TLD. <laughs> That's a TLD gripe? Why? I have no idea. Alex, my, Alex, my co- the co-host of the podcast, was just looking at domains to potentially redirect to our podcast and noticed noticed that anime.gripe was available. Uh, anime for Jerks is a, a good show. Check it out, everybody. All right. Uh, as for me, I sometimes write for Otaku USA Magazine and a- Anime News Network, and uh, I have animeburgertime.tumblr.com. Uh I keep saying it. One day I will post something on there again. Uh, we have a Patreon. I mentioned it before. Support us on patreon.com slash AnnieGamers to get into the priority question list. That's how, well, nobody else sent questions. But look, Tom was on the top of the list. It was just him on the list. And uh, you can also access bonus articles and podcasts on our Patreon, uh, all for just $5 a month. We're almost at 100 bucks, And uh, I'm, I think I'm going to have this announced before, before this episode comes out. So I'll mention it here. We are planning for a, uh, a new column where we're, we're still figuring out the name. I'll probably have it decided by the time this episode comes out. We're going to do a column that is uh, Ink is going to pick uh, stuff from like a, these blind boxes he got and just send us DVDs. And we're going to let the patrons vote on which DVDs to send to us to review. And um, we'll watch them even if they're like out of order or, you know, like the middle of a show and then write reviews of it. But we're only going to do it when we hit $100. So... Uh, it, that's kind of our, our next Patreon goal. So if you can uh, up your pledge or, or you know, if, if you haven't pledged yet and you want to join, uh, that can help uh, make that column happen. So that'd be fun. And of course, the most dangerous Patreon benefit of all, uh, if you pledge at least $5, you get a single-use golden ticket where you can force us to review one thing. Very dangerous. Use with caution. So it's sort of like baseball a little bit. <laughs> uh, you can check out show notes, blog posts, and a link to the official AnnieGamers Discord, which is free. You don't have to be a Patreon subscriber for that on AnnieGamers.com. Email us questions, responses, and topic suggestions at podcast at AnnieGamers.com. We do read these on the show, even if you're not like on the priority list. Uh, just send us stuff. We will queue it up and read it. Or uh, talk to us on Twitter. I am at sign VampTVO, V-A-M-P-T-V-O, and AnnieGamers at sign AnnieGamers, one word. I'm on Mastodon, haven't posted in a while, vamptvo at mastodon.social. I'm on like the main, the main original Mastodon uh, instance. And finally, episodes are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And uh, leave us some reviews on iTunes to help more people find the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Elliot and Cass for coming on and explaining the cultural event of baseball to me. Thank you, Evan. You are now experiencing the cultural event of baseball. We'll see you again in about two weeks. Later.